Hello, you may have noticed the content warning in the show notes at the beginning of this episode. I just wanted to warn you that this episode is not for kids. This episode is for adults. So if your little kids are listening in, you may want to pause it and just come back to it later. Um, we do talk about several explicit things as what we're digging into is um, healthy sexuality. So there's a lot of things that we're going to be talking about here. I think it's really important to be having these conversations with your kids, but I would rather you listen to it first and decide um, how you want to talk to them about it. This one is specifically for adults. So I just wanted to put out that warning first. Hopefully this episode is helpful for you. And if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out um, to me or to Amy on Instagram. Hi, I'm Crystal, the parenting coach. Parenting is the thing that some of us just expected to know how to do. It's not like other areas of your life where you go to school to be taught, get on the job training, or have mentors to help you learn. Now you can get that help here. I believe that your relationship with your children is one of the most important aspects of your life and the best way that you can make a positive impact on the world and on the future. I've made parental relationships my life study and use life coaching tools with connection-based parenting to build amazing relationships between parents and their children. If you want an even better relationship with your child, this podcast will help you. Take my parenting quiz. The link is in the show notes. Once we know what your parenting style is, I'll give you some tips tailored to you and a roadmap to help you get the most out of my podcast. I invite you to help me spread the word by sharing your favorite episode on social media or with a friend. Welcome to today's episode, How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex with Amy Lang. Talking to your kids about the birds and bees can be really uncomfortable, and most people dread the idea of having the talk, but it doesn't have to be this way. My guest, Amy Lang, has been a sex educator for over 16 years when she freaked out about talking to her young son about her favorite topic. Surprised by her discomfort with just the idea of talking to him about his body, she knew she needed help. She did a bunch of research to learn how to talk with kids about bodies and sexuality and realized she could help other parents with this important part of parenting also. Amy combined her expertise in adult education and her love of sexual health and started Birds and Bees and Kids in 2006. Her mission is to help parents feel comfortable and confident when they have these important conversations. Through her books, classes, online solution center, and podcast, Amy has helped thousands of parents around the world become their kids' go-to Birds and Bees source. All right. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the Parenting Coach Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you and thank you for trusting me with your people. I always feel so honored. Yes. I When you reached out with this topic idea, I was like, yep, I think that it's going to be great for my audience. I think it's something that we're all interested in. And I think a lot of people that tune in have kids of kind of varying stages and ages. I'm sure there's lots of people with toddlers, but I think there's probably even more with teens and tweens and even some young adults. And so I think this is a topic that we can all learn from. Um, before we dig into what we're going to talk about today, I would love for you just to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about you and what you do and also why you do it. How did you get here? <laughs> well, of course, I did not start out my life thinking, I want to be a sex educator that works with parents and helps yeah. them have these conversations. And what happened is that I was a sexuality educator um, doing birth control, pregnancy, abortion, counseling, STI counseling, kind of all the usual stuff with teens and you know, everybody pretty much. And I had just assumed that when I had kids, I was going to be a rock star, that it was going to come naturally to me to talk to my children, that I'd be comfortable and confident to know what to say. And I was not. Uh, my son Milo was about five and he was getting ready for a bath and he grabbed his penis and he said, hey, mama, did you know? And I stood there 
And I thought, well, I, p- I poker faced, right? <laughs> to do. And I stood there and I thought, oh no, please do not tell me it feels good to touch your penis because I've got nothing. Yeah. And then I just looked at him and I said, what? And he said, uh, I can see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I said, excellent. Get in the bathtub. And that was my moment when I thought, okay, you're clueless. You got to figure this out. So I also have a master's degree in applied behavioral science and my focus was in adult education. So as I was figuring this out for our family, you know, when, how, all that good stuff, I realized that I could also help other, other families, other parents. And so I started Birds and Bees and Kids. Milo was five. He's 21 now. As you can imagine, there was a big period of his life where he was completely mortified by my work. Um, but he appears to have recovered from that. And yeah. so, yeah, that's how I, you know, that's how I got started. I, you know, do online classes and once upon a time, live classes, I have a podcast and other, you know, resources and that kind of thing. Um, so I generally focus on kids, parents of kids who are ages like five to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my sort of sweet spot. And, um, but that does not mean a damn thing because I know the whole shebang, right? Yeah. Of course. You're like, it, it all works for everybody. Okay. I would love yeah. to start off with like why this is even needed, right? Like it was obviously there was something about what he said and you were like, Oh, wait a second. Like, I don't know what to do here. Kind of a thing. And I think a lot of us in this generation feel the same way. We're like, wait a second. Like, where did that stem from? Why do we have a hard time talking about all things sexuality um, with our kids? Well, the first thing is that culturally, you know, we don't talk about it, right? There's shame and embarrassment. um, There's lack of information. We grew up not having the information. So our parents were not, and caregivers were not giving us good examples of how to do this thing. And so just like parenting in general, as you know, we're making it up as we go along. Mm -hmm. And if you have nothing to go with, then you're and you're uncomfortable and you've been told through your your culture and how you grew up that it's not okay to talk about this you're not going to do it are you going to you're going to try and maybe not feel very comfortable um and you know there's just so many myths about having conversations with kids that don't you know you know they're myths they're not true right and so you know for me i believe talking with our kids about sexuality is a fundamental human right We are sexual from the get-go, little people with penises, hang on to that dang thing when they're in utero, you know, um, and people with clitorises figure out it feels good to touch them. And so we're sexual from the beginning of our lives until the end. And we don't have information about that, just like developmentally. So we're all worried about trigonometry. And frankly, you know, their academics and their intellect, sure, that's important, but it's not as important as being able to have a healthy romantic relationship to understand what it means to be a sexual person, to not feel shame about this natural, healthy, really, you know, if positive part of life, but all of our, um, socialization and information is it's all been very negative. It's secretive. Um, you shouldn't do it until you're married, but everybody does it before they're married. I mean, like everybody does something sexual by the time they're 19, they've done something. Um, so we have these unrealistic expectations that cause a lot of shame and embarrassment. And so we grew up like that. And so the expectation that we're going to step in and be rock stars with this, even someone like me, right. I am liberal. I'm American. I'm secular. Like I got, like, I got all that. That's my perspective. And it was still hard for me. 
I do feel like there was definitely a, um, like almost like a gap in knowledge. Like it's almost like this big thing that needs to be talked about and we want to talk about. And like, we did learn a little bit in school and sometimes our parents might've had some conversations, but it definitely wasn't comfortable. It was always awkward. It never felt like just a normal part of everyday life. And I think that in our generation now, people are starting to see like, okay, I want, I want to teach this to my kids. I want to teach them how to be a healthy sexual being. Um, and I also love, I, what I'd love to dig into is like, how do we teach healthy sexuality along with whatever our personal values are that we can still have those personal values. We can still teach our kids what we believe and what our beliefs are and what we hope, you know, they'll believe also, but we can still be teaching healthy sexuality too, like kind of combining the both, even if we have not been um, taught that ourselves, even if that wasn't what our childhood was like. Um, so let's dig into that. So I think one of the ways I think about this is that there are the facts of sexuality, which there's a lot of stuff, right? The facts of sexuality, um, you know, our body changes, you know, our sexual orientation or gender, how people roll healthy relationships. Like there are things that we can make research and have data right? So that's the fact side. Everything has a value attached to it. So there's the values and belief side. So really a good sex talk talks about the facts and the reality of being a sexual person and sexuality, and then your values about it. And so one of the most important things parents can do is actually think about, you know, what are your sexual values? And, you know, it's kind of funny, like we have values about everything. We have values about tampons. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. Right. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about that, what are your values, getting clear on them. So for example, you know, if you think that people should, your value is that people should wait until marriage to have sex. Why? Why? Why is that important? Right? You know, I don't believe that, but I do believe that people, especially, you know, we think about the, like, I'm all about the first time you're really getting busy with somebody. So for me, it's like loving, committed relationship together for a while, able to be communicative. If pregnancy could be on the table, birth control, talking about that, talking about STIs, being really clear about, you know, you know, consent and if they're down for it and all that and understanding all of that, um, that's how the begin that's how for me that should start and i'm guessing um if your value is that you should wait until marriage it's really about that commitment trust communication right and you know so that's kind of the first thing and one of the other things to do that's helpful is to think about this in terms of preparation you're preparing your child for this really important part of life. You know, we're very focused on prevention, like wait until marriage. Like we're telling them, don't do it. And then how are you going to not do it? Right. Right. Instead of preparing you for like, when do, when you do, yeah. this is what you need to know. And this is how it goes. And these are some things to look yeah. out for. And you know, yeah. all of those this things. Is how, this is how you're ready. So that's the first thing This change in perspective. You're preparing them for one of the most important parts of life. So that's the first thing. The other thing is if you take some time and if you're parenting with someone or even with a best friend or journaling, what are your hopes for your kids when it comes to their romantic and sexual relationships, right? What are your hopes? And your hopes are your goals. And so if your goal is for, you know, I don't even know what, but like if your goal is for your child to wait until they're 28, 
got full brain development before they get busy. That's not, I'm just joking, but mm-hmm. I mean, really, wouldn't that be nice? Um, come up with a goal, if your goal yeah. is for them to feel really good about themselves as a sexual person, to feel uh, confident and to, um, know their limits and, you know, be comfortable, you know, like, like understanding the signs of an unhealthy relationship and a healthy relationship. Like those are really good, important goals. And then, okay, how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. How are you going to do that? Um, so facts and values, and then the other piece is limits. So when is it okay to do the thing, whatever the thing is? Um, and so, you know, this is not a perfect formula, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, um, you know, I mean, I like to use oral sex as an example, like, you know, what is it? And, you know, it's when pr- one person puts their mouth on another person's penis, vulva and clitoris. Um, it's something they agree to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's a feels really good. It's part of being, it's called it's sex. It's part of being being in a sexual relationship. It's not anything you ever have to do. And it's just, you know, I'm like one of those things. So the limit is you don't ever have to do it. You can talk about how, you know, this is something that is part of a, a, a sexual relationship. It's part of it's something people consent to do, agree to do. And it's something that is, you know, for later in your relationship or something like that. Um, because if we just say, this is what a blow job is, good luck with that. That's not helpful. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. What's helpful is this is what it is. This is what I think about it. You don't have to do it. You can, if you want to, you know, some boundaries and limits around that. Um, and I'm sorry, you know, I just jump right into BJ's sometimes. Okay. I Let's, let's rewind back to if your kids are younger. So obviously you're not going to have this conversation that we're talking about right now with your, you know, five-year-olds. Um, so when you're, when you first start talking about sexuality, right? Like you've been doing this for years. And so you're probably super comfortable with having all these conversations with all the people. Um, but for somebody that's like listening to this conversation and like, oh my gosh, I can never imagine myself talking to my child about that. Where would they start? Yeah. Yeah. So BJ's are kind of the goal. (laughs) They're like, this is the end. You can have this conversation. Yeah. Yes. We do not start with oral sex. So, um, so what we know from uh, study after study that it is best to start the conversations when your kids are really young and the first sex conversation is using the correct names for private body parts. Yes. Right. Everybody needs to know the correct names for all of their middle down there parts. It's protective. Uh, if your kiddos, you know, we've got our Thanksgiving coming up and if you're, you know, you got a four-year-old and everybody's there and they, they say, mama, my vulva is itching in front of God and everyone, which, you know, no, thank you. If there is a creepster in your family or in your friend group, who's there, they're going to hear that. And they're going to say, I'm not going to mess with that kid because mm-hmm. their, fam- their parents talking. to them. And so boundaries is really important. Body boundaries, talking about, you know, safe touch, uh, making sure they know they have the right to say no, um, co- not touching kids without permission. And then by the time they're about, they do need to know the usual way people get pregnant. Okay. Did and you say five? Babies. I missed the age. What age? Did five. You five. Five. I okay. said five. 
Mm-hmm. And people sometimes have a minor heart attack yeah. about that because it just sounds so flippin' young. And yeah, it is young. But the thing, you know, the reason why five is so great is because they're they're an empty vessel. They don't know. And you can fill them up with like, hey, this is a great positive life. Your body's amazing. You know, this is how babies are made. It's really cool. It's not something you do now. It's for later in life. Um And, you know, they're starting kindergarten, they're getting information from other kiddos, they're, uh, they're out in the world more, they're curious, they're open. Um, And so, um, you know, I just think about it this way, if you tell a five year old, this is how you make butter, and this is the usual way a baby's made, the standard response is the same. Oh, huh. Sometimes they'll say, did you do that? And then you say, if that was how it worked, well, most people do or whatever, you can answer that however you want. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking the whole thing, penis and vagina, three little words, people, three little words. And so it's easier on you. As you know, you have kids of multiple ages to talk mm-hmm. to your six-year-old than it is to your 16-year-old. Yeah. 16-year-old is going to be like, you know, hell no, I know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they do not. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's easier for you. And by the time they're eight or nine, they need to know about puberty because average age of puberty start for girls is, is, is nine, eight or nine. It's a little later for boys. Mm -hmm. They need to know what's going to happen to their body before it happens. And I know lots of people who have periods who did not know they were going to bleed out of their hoo-ha. They're like, why is this not something that's talked about all the time? It's so huge. That's something that I felt like I really wanted my, once I did have a daughter to know about, I was like, I just want this to be a normal part of what we talk about. So my boys know, my daughter knows, uh, you know, when I get my period, I talk about it. They know all about pretty much everything to do with it, which I know some people are probably like, what, that's too much information. But I felt like I didn't know enough and I would have loved to know more And I've heard of people who like literally thought they were dying, like had never Mm -hmm. even heard about it from any of their friends, from any of their family. And were like, I must be dying. And because it is a shocking thing, if you have never thought about it before, never known that it was going to happen. So I love the idea of it just being just as normal as talking Mm -hmm. about butter and like not just talking about sex, but everything related to healthy sexuality, puberty and anatomy. I think it does keep our children so safe. And it's going to create more confidence in them and their sexuality. For sure. For sure. And, you know, um, the more, you know, like I think knowledge is empowering, right? So the more, you know, the more you're going to be able to empower your kids with this information, the more they know, the more empowered they're going to be. And, you know, we're all, we always need to talk about different kinds of families and healthy relationships. And what does that look like and crushing and romance and, and sexual orientation and gender, big, big, big stuff right now. It's always been there. We didn't have the words. Mm-hmm. So making sure they understand that it's, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to be gay, right? It's like who they are as a sexual person. Um, no matter what your belief system is, you have to be supportive of your child, even if you don't get it, or you think it's wrong. Um, it, one of the things folks don't know about LGBTQ kids is their suicide rate is four times higher than the general population. Mm-hmm. And um, no one wants that. But the thing that keeps those kiddos on par with the general population is full on parental support, full on. I love you no matter who you are. How can I support you with this? And 
and being there for them and managing your own crap on offline, offline, like managing your own stuff around this offline, because they need you more than any other child. And, you know, I know this is a tough thing for lots of folks, but the reality is people are queer. Mm -hmm. They don't pick it. It's not a picking thing. It's who they are in a fundamental way. So um, I I just want to interject there for a second. I have a really great episode from a few weeks ago that you can go back and listen to where I talk about someone who runs a nonprofit organization for LGBTQ people and their families. And we talk all about exactly this. So if you're listening to this part and you're like, oh, I don't really know, or I'm uncomfortable with this, go listen to that episode for more. Um, I love that it's just this part of like, we just talk about this all the time. But when you very first start out and you're like, you talk about it when you're five and you're like, some people are probably thinking, wow, that's really young. And I'm going to be really awkward and uncomfortable about this. How do you push through that? That those discussions or even when you're teen, it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable when you're talking to your teens about it. How do you push yes. through that uh, level of so, like, I'm uncomfortable, but I still have to have this conversation. So the glory of the little people like eight and under is you just get a book. Mm -hmm. and kick it off with the book. There's a great book. There's a couple of really good books. It's not the stork and it's so amazing. You read the book, you read it first. It's going to feel like a lot of information, but compared to what they're going to hear from their peers and the influence of pornography now and childhood development and sexual development, they need to hear it, this safe, positive information. Mm -hmm. And then um, the focus is not on you. It's on the book. And then when you see how they respond to that, you'll feel better. And the more you do it, the more you're going to feel better. So one of my colleagues says it's 2000 two minute conversations. So you Mm -hmm. keep it short and sweet. You practice. I have a new book called sex talks with tweens. It's all scripts. So you're like, okay, I got to talk about masturbation. Read quote me. Um, So when they're little, it's easier because they're not going to ping off our discomfort. Now, when they get to be tweens, they're going to notice that we're being weird. And if you haven't started the conversation, you know, yet, um, it is, it is important to say a couple things. The first thing is to say, you know what, you're old enough now for us to start talking about this. I'm sorry. We didn't start sooner. I didn't think you were ready. I didn't think I was ready. I'm actually pretty uncomfortable about this. My folks didn't do this for me, but I know how important it is to be really well informed about this. So we're going to start talking and that's it. And then you don't launch into when a man and a woman love each other very much. Shouldn't even say that anyway, but um, like you don't launch in. So you just kick the door open if you haven't started yet with your nine to, you know, and up. Um, And then you just flip and do it. Yeah. turn up your radar. Like our world gives us so many opportunities. You have a pregnant friend. There you go. Here are the different ways you can get pregnant. And, you know, with older kids, um, a, a few, there are a few strategies to use, which is to say, you know, I need, I need to talk to you about a sex thing. We can do it now. We can do it later. They always say later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within 48 hours, you need to come back to them and say, okay, it's later. They're a little, they're more ready for it. Uh, you can tell them you don't have to ask me a question, say a word. I just need to tell you about this thing. You always ask them a question at the end. It's like, what do you think? Any any thoughts? Anything you need to know? Anything. You just throw a question at the end of that. They're going to do what they're going to do. Sometimes they're going to say, what? Why? Right? They're going to say something. Um Another strategy is, um, you know, write notes, text, like use all of the tools in the toolbox. Um, 
And then, you know, one thing is that people use as an excuse is like, my kid's not asking me any questions. Therefore, they, they don't, don't have any, know. therefore they're not curious. They don't yeah. need to be educated. Yeah. Yay, everything's fine. Yeah, that is not a thing. It is your responsibility to make sure they have this information. And you know, um, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. You can be funny about it. Like after Milo was like, I don't know, five or six, I knew he knew all the names. I knew he knew what his penis was. So I would just say junk, tallywhacker, business, weenie. I just use all the slang because it makes it funny. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to be all penis all the time. Um, vulva. Um, so just lightening up. And as they get into those like tween years, they're as you may recall, yeah, the body stuff was confusing and But the thing that was really going on was all the relationship stuff, right? Mm -hmm. People dating, the chat, the crushing, all that. And so the focus should really kind of switch into what does healthy relationship look like? What is consent? Making sure they understand about birth control and everybody, if they got a penis, they need to be using condoms and everybody should know about everything for both gender, both sexes, right? And genders, everybody should know all all that. Um, Because if your child is straight, and, um, you know, there's potential to have pregnancy, then, you know, the person with the penis should know about the birth control so they can talk with their partner about, hey, what do you want to do here? What's the plan? Um, and, you know, I know we don't want to think about our kids having sex, but like I said, everybody does something with last name is sex by the time they're 19. And everybody, I mean, like 80% of folks which is in my head, pretty much everybody. Uh, Yeah. I love the idea of circling back to those tough conversations. Cause I talk about that in lots of different situations, not just um, sexuality talks. Right. But it's like, okay, this is kind of a heavier thing. I know it might be a hard conversation for us to have. So let's, let's both kind of prepare ourselves and come back later. Um, I love uh, the idea of it. We're just talking about it and teaching about it all the time. And I remember one conversation with my son, I think he was probably a teenager by then. And I'd had several talks with him, but I was always so uncomfortable. And at one point I just said, I just want you to know that I'm super awkward about this. Like you might be feeling this from me. And he was like, I actually didn't even notice. I thought you were doing a great job. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really great because I was not feeling that way. But I just said, this isn't something that I talked to my parents about a lot. So it makes me feel awkward. It has nothing to do with this. It's not an awkward thing. I'd love to talk to you about it. But just so you know, if you ever feel that way, it's it's you know coming from me. And so um, I think just opening it up, like you said, like, let's be honest about this. That helps break the ice too. You don't always have to use humor. You can if you want, but you can also be like, I just want you to know I feel awkward. It's still really important. We're still going to have this conversation, but, but this is where my starting point is. So, um, and I love the idea also of us being more educated ourselves. Because the more education we have, the more confident we're going to feel, the better these conversations are going to go, the more questions we're going to be able to answer for them. And also doing them age appropriately. We don't have to talk about everything there is to talk about sex when our kids are five or 10 or even 15. You can you get to decide when you want to have those conversations with them. So this has all been really helpful. I'm sure that a lot of people have found a lot of great advice here who are feeling this way, feeling awkward or uncomfortable about these conversations. Um, For someone that is listening in, that's like, maybe they haven't had these conversations yet, or this hasn't been a part of their family culture to talk about, what tip would you leave them with to be like, okay, I I agree. And I do want to talk about it, but also this hasn't been something we've really talking about sexuality in a common way. Hasn't, hasn't, or hasn't been common. 
So there's a handful of things. So first of all, this is about you. It's about you. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I think is really important, uh, there's a couple of things I recommend. First of all, have that, um, you know, like what are our hopes, right? What are our hopes for our children? What's my hope for my child when this starts, when in their relationships, like ultimately, um, another exercise that's really good to do and can be very entertaining and maybe even a little traumatizing is to think about how you learned, like, how did you learn? Where'd you get your information? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? You know, and then that kind of also leads back into that. What do you hope for your kids? So actually I would do that one first. It can be, uh, again, journaling if you're parenting with someone, that kind of thing. So you get it out of your system. Mm-hmm. get it out of your system. Yeah. And then just in terms of starting the talks, um, I definitely get books and their books we have, they're recommended, um, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and so I would definitely get books, read them all yourself first. That'll make you feel better when you have the information and then pick something that feels low stakes to start with, you know, the lowest stake thing with your eight and unders is just to read the book with them. Mm-hmm. With your older kids, it's to say, hey, I blew it. Just that one little thing. Just yeah. one little thing. And you'll be surprised at their reactions. And just go for it and push through their discomfort. This is not, um, this is required. Mm-hmm. It's required parenting. It's required kid learning. Because you, I mean, chances are you did not, like you said, you did not have a trustworthy adult that helped you be as ready as you could be for this part of life. So if you just imagine what it would be like if you had had been had that person in your life and what that, you know, who you'd be and how you'd feel, and then you can be that person for your child. So mm-hmm. I'm a baby homework person. So my homework is the, how'd you learn? What are your hopes? And then Bye. just do it. I love that idea of like, we can go back and be like, okay, what do I wish it was like? How do I wish somebody had this conversation with me? And I love what you said in the beginning about preparing. Like, we're really just not preparing them. We're like, we're going to prepare you for nothing. But here instead, like, how do I want you to prepare? It's like, you're going to go on a trip. I'm going to tell you what things you're going to be expecting and what the culture is going to be like and what the language is going to be like. And, you know, I love that this idea of like, how would you have loved to be prepared? And how then can you give that to your kids, even if it's awkward, even if it's uncomfortable, but that knowing that it's a responsibility, I think, especially in our culture and all the things that are happening in our world in order to keep our children the most safe in lots of different situations is to teach them um, about sexuality and have it be just a healthy topic that you talk about all the time. So um, thank you for being on here, Amy. I appreciate it. And um, for all of the links that, that she's mentioned, we you can find those in the show notes. If somebody wants to reach out to you, connect with you, learn more from you, how can they do that? So my website is birdsandbeesandkids.com. So that is obviously, there's tons, of, there's a hundred years of blogging. There's all kinds of information and support there. There's a free um, download that is called the seven tips for terrific sex talks. Of course, I can't remember the name of it, um, which is really robust and and helpful in terms of how to do this whole thing. And then I have a podcast too, your podcast listener, right? And it's called Just Say This and it's Q&A style. So people call in, leave me a voicemail with a question and I answer the question on the show. And then I oftentimes talk about some other things. I kind of rant about that. That is a fabulous way of doing it. I love that. It's so fun. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. 
Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Amy. Make sure you go connect with her, um, Instagram, Facebook podcast, all the places. That sounds like an amazing PDF download. I'm definitely going to get that for myself. And, um, thanks again for, for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to help spread this work to the world, share this episode on social media and tag me, send it to a friend or leave a quick rating and review below. So more people can find me. If you'd like more guidance on your own parenting journey, reach out.